0: After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands, we got a goal! Look at the colors, we are set to go, let's go! We are kicking! Watch the blue! There we go! Yeah baby! Hey! hey you, you, got you got the power play, get out of here!
1: I already sticks Right here for the rough! Both guys, five minutes each, we're fighting! Hey hey! We're not doing this! I don't want to babysit all night! A little bit of nastiness today. Huh? Nothing good's coming out of this big man! Have you seen this before? Yes, it's rule something point something. He's not
0: putting a stick in here. You, you keep your stick out of him. Here we go. It's us boys. Let's go. Hey, hey, hey. Let's go.
1: After further review, it's the Scouting the Rest podcast. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith. When you ready, big guy. All right, guys,
0: let's drop the puck. You know, Josh, it occurred to me I don't usually think about this kind of thing really too much. I don't put much stock in it, but there was a full moon this past week. And I'm wondering if that is maybe part of the reason that people were so riled up both on the ice and on social media. That's really the only explanation I have right now.
1: That is as good of one as I've heard. I didn't even realize that. But yeah, the lunar calendar might have synced up entirely with these apparent nights of crazy that seem to happen in the NHL. We've had a few in the past where I remember an eventful Thursday night where we had suspensions, we had fines, we had major penalties, and we had another such night this past week. Certainly
0: did. A wild and crazy night and a few other things to mix into this edition of the Scouting the Rest podcast as well. Please make sure you follow us on the social channels. You get Josh at Scouting the Rest on Twitter and on Instagram. You get me at Todd Lewis Sports on, again, Twitter and Instagram. Coming up on this week's episode... Tony D'Angelo with the Pickle Stabber. Maybe a new All-Star Skills event. Kicked or deflected, you make the call. Two for the price of one. A slash and a punch gets you four. And what exactly is offside? Have I intrigued you so far?
1: Oh, no, Oh, no. We have enough challenge debates. We're debating <laughs> offside now. I thought we figured this out, Todd. Isn't everybody I,
0: good? I thought we did, too. But apparently there are some questions from a, a game situation earlier this week. So before we go too far, though, let's congratulate Mark Joannette, game number 1500 in the books this past week. That's a lot of up and down the ice over the years. Congratulations, to him.
1: Yeah, what a moment for him. Honored before the Rangers and Canadians game there in Montreal. So hometown fans. And yes, there were fans in attendance to see Jonette, Had friends and family that were there, as well as a crew of some other Quebec officials. So nice to see folks joining him for that and to recognize him. His actual 1500th game was a few weeks back in Philadelphia. but. Due to injuries, due to schedule changes, they can't always sync up exactly right. Nice of them to take that moment pregame, honor him. It was it was cool. I don't know if you saw that both coaches presented him with jerseys from their respective team before the game. So a nice moment for him. Currently one of the league's top active referees coming to the end of his career, which will be wrapping up in the near future. But nice to see him honored for this milestone. And congrats to Mark for a terrific NHL career in stripes.
0: Those were pleasant and cordial exchanges between coaches and a referee. That was not the case between David Quinn and referee Gord Dwyer this past week, because David Quinn got, um, well, he had a bit of an audience with Dwyer, and uh, Dwyer, I guess, decided he'd had enough and waved him off i love the he literally waved him off the bench (laughs) sent him away after dave quinn really expressed his displeasure with how the officiating was going and just a couple of days ago the nhl has of course levied the obligatory twenty-five thousand dollar fine to coaches who uh, how should we express this maybe go a little bit over the line and you know what you don't need to read lips, but Dave Quinn was quite abusive and relentless in his criticism. So I understand the the fine and why he got tossed.
1: Yeah, you're going to give a coach a certain amount of leeway, especially understanding that they're frustrated. And this was a tough one for referee Gord Dwyer manning the game single-handed. It was it was a one referee game there. We had an injury take place to referee Chris Schlinker. He had to leave the game. So Dwyer's running it himself, and Quinn was not happy with what was going on, and you grant a little bit of room. You want to let the coach vent. And Quinn vented and vented. And, I mean, if <laughs> I, I, I think I joked earlier and said he was dropping more F-bombs than a B-52 here. It yeah. was just they were flying left and right. And you're only going to take so much. You're only going to take a finger pointed in your face with the coach screaming at you and let him go so far. And and it was farther than Dwyer wanted to permit. So entirely understandable. I think this was one of those situations where uh, Quinn apologized afterwards. He understood that maybe he took it a little bit too far. But I can't fault Dwyer and I can't fault the league. Seeing what happened on the bench, we all knew this was coming. I think the biggest surprise to me was that they scheduled Dwyer to work another Sharks game a few days later.
0: <laughs> I guess that's it. You, know, you fall off, you get right back on right, the horse. Exactly. Is that the... I don't, I don't know. But We're going to
1: test you, Quinny.
0: Yeah. You know, it was, it was a bad look for him and for the team and for the league. So I understand that this is the, the inevitable conclusion that they reach. So... Many of this week's case studies occurred on the same night as we mentioned. There was one kind of wild and and crazy night. So I was kind of thinking, thinking that, you know what, after this night... I bet the only wilder and crazier situation was maybe the shooters that were getting thrown back at the NHL situation room <laughs> with some of the stuff that was going on. Because it was hard to believe that all this was occurring on one night. It was crazy.
1: The, the games end and the guys just flick all those TVs to something else for a while, hang out, blow off some steam. And- oh, Yeah. <laughs> How could, they,
0: how could they not? So let's deal with uh, probably the worst offense as skating into a scrum, Philadelphia Flyer defenseman Tony D'Angelo uses his stick as the pitchfork and spears Corey Perry of the Tampa Bay Lightning in a delicate area. He's, of course, swarmed by the bolts that are on the ice. Calm is restored. Uh, apparently... The major and the game misconduct for spearing is not enough because that gets you a hearing with the Department of Player Safety and he gets a two game suspension. Clearly, this was a major penalty and rightfully so he was tossed and has been suspended.
1: He has. It was all done the way it should be. It was seen. And I don't know if it was one of the referees or the linesman, but with everybody centered there, all eyes were on the players. They were on the scrum and it was not missed how d'angelo entered the situation there so it was good to see them call it they reviewed it since it's a major penalty and handed out the first spearing major penalty the first spearing penalty at all in the past five years it's been that long todd since we've had a penalty for we've seen it we've seen plenty of examples but to have it called to have it enforced on the ice was good and then for player safety to follow up with the two-game suspension i think was the right move here it's one of those no hockey play, away from the puck, between the whistles, all the criteria that make this absolutely a nonsensical play, and then one that has the potential for injury. So as much as Corey Perry may not have fans around the league, and he may have people who were happy to see him take a shot there, you you can't let this slide. And it was good that, uh, that Tony D is going to spend some time on the bench.
0: So here's my... Question in this all, and I don't know if this is the right time to have the discussion or whatever, but but it it just strikes me as it, okay, so D'Angelo gets two for stabbing a guy in the berries, but it's a three-game suspension for accidentally spitting on someone. So this is <laughs> this is where I think some of the frustration comes from yep. with fans in terms of consistency, because clearly if you're spearing someone in the uh, undercarriage. That's an attempt to injure and that's a serious play and should be dealt with harshly.
1: Right. And I would also say it's it's disgusting. Yeah. You look at it and say, well, spitting is just uh it's it's a demeaning act so is what D'Angelo did. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. I, I think there's probably an imbalance there. And if we don't want to see spitting in the game. We don't want this in the game. Where the line is and how things are, are penalized, it's a tricky balance for player safety. It's one of those things where you, I think, need to look at the intent to injure. You need to look at what the situation was. I've said it before, Todd, I'm a big fan for coming down harder on situations that are non-hockey plays like this one. And even if you wanted to give them three for spitting, I, I can't see that that a spear down south is less of an impact literally, than then spitting.
0: If if it's five for the spear, I have no issue with that at all. And I don't think you'd have much pushback from players either.
1: Well, I, I think you're going to have quite a few who would be happy to have that just because they're often on the receiving end of it. But this yeah. is one of those things where there's no way to accidentally spear somebody, right? We've, we've had yeah. and we've seen suspensions for a cross check where the league might let cross-checks to the shoulders go, the stick gets up a little high. Or it's a high stick that maybe you were swinging at the puck or you were, you were responding to something and you caught the guy in the face. Maybe you intended to, maybe you didn't. A little bit of gray area there. There's never an issue where you accidentally speared somebody. And the rule book reflects that because it's a double minor if you even intend to do it. It's a major if you make contact. So the rule book takes it seriously. They understand that this is not just something that happens through the course of gameplay. So... I I wouldn't be against that. I I would love to see them step things up for those types of situations where it has nothing to do with actual hockey and you could end up with a a serious injury as a result.
0: No question. Okay, a couple of other curious ones, first involving Eric Carlson of the San Jose Sharks. Frustrated at a non call during the game against the avalanche, he expressed his displeasure by tossing his helmet on the ice in the direction of the officials and that earned him an unsportsmanlike and misconduct i i I mean I guess ref's miscalls it does happen, but you again, you can't behave in this sort of petulant manner that's going to get you into trouble
1: yeah you're you're not going to get away with that one it's as much of trying to vent your frustrations, whether it's banging your stick, throwing your helmet as feeling like you're trying to show up the officials out there and and being dramatic about it. So while sometimes you're going to give leeway, like we said with David Quinn, you're not necessarily going to let them go that far. And throwing the helmet on the ice, which I'm sure there was some commentary going along with it at the moment, you can't let that one slide. It's it's two minutes for Carlson on top of it. And of course, Carlson plays for the Sharks. So we know David Quinn, with that penalty (laughs) assessed by Gord Dwyer, was not loving the moment. But he, he bit his tongue on that one.
0: Yes, and we'll we'll get to the stick smashing in just a second. But <laughs> it, it did occur to me that this helmet toss might make a good event in the All Star Skills competition. <laughs> don't you think? Stand at one goal line, try to fling it all the way
1: down to the other end. I, I think that's that's probably a, a fun one to do. We, you know, we're looking at different All Star Skills events, and the the NHL was pretty experimental this year. Why not? Let's let's have some things. Let's go back to the old Robbie Fatorik days and have a coach chair throwing or bench tossing. <laughs> from- <laughs> <laughs> I want to see which coach can toss a bench the farthest. Come on.
0: That's right. Get in the spirit of things. Shit. Okay. Uh, it was Vince Dunn of the Seattle Kraken who had his nose cut by an apparent high stick of Max Comtois, the Ducks. And Dunn, too, expressed his dismay at an on-call by slamming his stick, as we mentioned. And, of course, yes, that earns you an unsportsmanlike. And, again, I get the frustration, and I can appreciate it, especially at this time of year, but... If this is your behavior, you're going to get rung up every time.
1: Yeah, and we've seen so much room for that. You'll see referees that give a lot of space there. And you've had a Graham Skilleter and a Brandon Schrader working that game with Vince Dunn. And Schrader's a younger guy. But you want to set the tone of what you're going to allow, what you're not going to allow, and when players cross the line. You'll hear it with the officials of saying, you know, they're warning guys if they're chirping at them, if they're arguing with the officials, if they're doing anything like that, you you can warn them that an unsportsmanlike is coming, but... I think more often than not, we let players get away with a certain amount. We know it's a competitive game. Tempers are hot. You're a lot of energy out there. And and you want to give guys leeway to to blow that off or to vent. But you can only take so much. You can only go so far. And I, I get the call undone. We, we don't always see it. I think they could call it more frequently when you have something like this, where you get an unsportsman like for slamming a stick or contesting a referee's call. So it's, it's in the book. It's something that they use at their discretion. It just happens that... Maybe it was that full moon, Todd, that they just got a little too fired up on Tuesday night.
0: They were howling at the moon. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) No question about it. Okay, there was uh, another punishment in a game, Minnesota and Calgary. Ryan Hartman, who slashed Rasmus Anderson and then punched Trevor Lewis. He got two and two for the slash, and the the punch was a roughing penalty. He was also fined $4,600 by the Department of Player Safety for the slash. And also in this case, I thought... You know what? You could have maybe given him an extra 2 for for instigating or something call it menacing if you if you really want or just being a pain in the ass. But is <laughs> it, is there such a thing as a
1: triple minor? I mean, you know it's a good good thing that you bring up there because we had some questions around double minors and how things are called. There's a double minor, which is limited to certain situations where you can get a double minor. An attempted spear or a high sticking that causes an injury would be two of those situations. But typically, we're looking at multiple minor penalties where you're getting a minor penalty for roughing and maybe a separate minor penalty for roughing or a minor penalty for slashing. So... It's a different situation when you're picking up multiple minor penalties on the same play for separate infractions versus a double minor, which is one penalty for a singular infraction. So it's a little bit different there. It depends on what the infraction was for, how it happened, and then how the penalties are handled, where we have, are you getting four minutes of a power play here? Or if you have multiple infractions there, are you actually ending up with a five on three? So it does matter whether it's a double minor or two minor penalties. So as much as it's semantics from an officiating standpoint, it's a different scenario. Now, he couldn't have gotten an instigating because we didn't have a fight. You've got to have an altercation, have an instigator penalty, but there's plenty of latitude there for unsportsmanlike conduct, for sure, on Hartman on this play. That was a pretty flagrant slash, too. That was a rough one.
0: It, it was, and certainly earned the fine, but it was just kind of the uh, Judd Nelson and the breakfast club, <laughs> is, you know, and you know, Principal Vernon's hitting him with another two, right. and another two, and another two. <laughs> another two. <laughs> That's okay. exactly it. I just uh, now,
1: it, now I want to picture Hartman walking off the ring with his fist in the air at the end of the <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. In this same
0: game, strangely enough, it was, it was confusing for, for many. I don't think it was actually controversial when you, when you stop and look at it and break it down, but it looked like the Minnesota Wild had scored the game-winning goal in overtime, but it was disallowed. On an offside call. It wasn't challenged because it's an overtime. It's the league that takes looked at it and, and they took their time having a look at it as well because I think half the Calgary team was undressed before the rule, the ruling came down that this was no goal and offside. Jared Spurgeon had the puck as he was backing into the Calgary zone. Both feet are inside the blue line. He passes the puck over to a teammate before. The puck is completely across the line. I I mean, it it looked pretty
1: straightforward to me, but isn't this offside? This is offside. And it it was clear because there's two separate pieces at play here, right? You've got Spurgeon entering the zone. Now he's skating backwards. He precedes the puck into the zone. As long as he maintains possession and control, that is a legal zone entry. He is allowed to precede the puck over the line. The problem is is that he no longer had possession or control of the puck when the puck crossed the line. He passes it when the puck's still in the neutral zone. So you've got Spurgeon in the attacking zone. The puck is still in the neutral zone. That's when he initiates the pass. Offside is judged at the moment the puck completely crosses the blue line. Ryan Hartman, the recipient, he's onside. The puck is crossing the blue line. And now you've got Spurgeon in the attacking zone without possession of the puck. So... He puts himself offside quite literally by passing the puck. Had he controlled it a second longer, had he cleared the blue line, it would have been a legal goal. It would have been perfectly good. He just passed the puck too soon, and he put himself offside. It seemed clear as day to me, but, yeah, one of those awkward moments of, oh, boy, the flames have already left the ice. <laughs> this is weird. And we we had a Rangers-Penguins game a few years back. I think it was in a shootout, and we had a goal that was – disallowed afterward. It didn't count. So they had to pull the guys back in from the locker rooms. And I I saw this one live and said, oh, no,
0: (laughs) here we go again. (laughs) I
1: think we're doing it again.
0: Put your skates back on. We're not done yet. So, yeah, it was it was was very strange, but uh, but it looked pretty straightforward to me. Now, another game that also caused a great deal of social media commentary was say was the Islander goal by Hudson Fashing against the Buffalo Sabres, The puck is passed over toward Fashing. He moves his leg forward. It goes off his shin and into the net. Some suggested it was a kick. The goal shouldn't be allowed. After a 30 to 40 minute review, the league disagreed and and the goal counted. I think this was
1: the right call. This is a tough one. Fans are right. When you have folks looking at the rulebook and trying to pick it apart, there are definitely some inconsistencies in the rulebook. But we have to look at the NHL's casebook, the way they call things, the way they've interpreted things in the past. And seeing it, I was confident that this was going to be a goal. The first part of it is that the rule around a distinct kicking motion requires the puck be propelled with a kick of the foot or the skate. Rule 374, rule 49-2, those are both kicked in goals Requires the skate. So immediately that rule does not apply to this situation. It can't be a distinct kicking motion if you didn't contact it with your skate. So that's out of scope altogether. So now we're looking at a play where the puck deflected off of fashing and in. And the league has been pretty open about saying a player can alter their body position. They can move their body intentionally to deflect the puck into the net as long as they're not propelling it. So A guy bats it in, no goal. If you use your elbow or your head, if you're Andrew Shaw, to propel the puck into the net, that's going to be no goal. Right. But you are allowed to move your body. You are allowed to move your leg to extend it in order to put it in a spot where it will deflect the puck into the net. And, And that's what Fashing did here. He extends his leg. You could argue that it was in the process of him stopping, or you could argue that he was doing it intentionally so that he could create a surface where the puck would go off and in. But in either case... Under Rule 78, that's a legal goal. And there's some wording around the rule about players intentionally deflecting the pucks in. Deflecting or redirecting has been something that the NHL has looked to allow as they've loosened interpretations over the years. It's that propel, that push, the bat, providing momentum from your body to actually push or or bump the puck in that results in a no goal. But in this case, it didn't seem like he did that. Yes, he extended his leg, but he created that situation where the puck deflected in and how the leagues called it for the past few years, I thought it was going to be a good goal, and it ultimately was. But it did take a little while to get there. This is a lot of interpretation, Todd. This is a lot of subjectivity yeah. and trying to guess what was his intent, why was his skate moving, all of that. And I think the leagues really tried to simplify it to allow more goals in those situations where the kicking motion, even that they look for, is uh, you know almost a pull your leg back and then follow through with your skate off of the ice. So. Had this gone off his skate, I'm not even convinced that this would have been enough to be deemed a distinct kicking motion.
0: Oh, boy. That's, that clears it up, don't you think? So, well, so maybe we need to list what is and isn't allowed specifically, like they do for some other offenses. You know, distinct kicking, of course, not allowed. The headbutt is not allowed. Is a is a chest bump okay? Is a is a pelvic thrust going to be allowed? See, I mean, th- there we you need go. to list this.
1: Oh, did, did did the thrust propel the puck in, or did it just move your pelvis to a location where the puck <laughs> deflected in? I, I, we need. And NHL. who would do that
0: intentionally?
1: <laughs> we need NHL physicists here to calculate <laughs> momentum and. and Figure that out. But that's the hard part about it, right? You don't want it to come down to that. You don't want it to be that difficult. And we want goals to be scored. So yeah, it's a it's a tough spot when it comes to making these interpretations, for sure.
0: There was a call, but there was no supplemental discipline from the Department of Player Safety delivered to Austin Watson of the Sens on his hit of New York Ranger forward Tyler Mott. Watson kind of comes up, hits Mott in the head. He didn't jump but did kind of follow through in an upward manner. He knocked Maude out of action, got a major penalty, was reviewed, upheld. I'm a little surprised that there was nothing further from George Paros on this one, because I thought there could have been.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Todd. I thought this was a, a the right call during the game. To me, seeing the hit... Watson does appear to leave his skates. Now, sometimes that happens naturally when you are making body contact, that your skates come off the ice. So even if we grant him leeway on that portion of it, which relates directly to the charging call, which is what he was penalized for, It looked to me like his elbow comes up and and hits Mott right in the face. So raising that elbow to create the head contact on the play where head contact was avoidable. Uh, Had this been a legal body check, it may not have even happened that there was any head contact if it was shoulder to shoulder or or shoulder to chest as it looked like it might have been. But to me, it was that left arm coming up that created a dangerous situation that I was surprised wasn't met with anything else. I I thought even an elbowing suspension might have been what was coming, but According to Wyshynski, I think he said player safety determined the play wasn't charging, which to me, that was the worst part of the ruling. So now you have Watson not getting it, but you have player safety saying that the play wasn't charging. The officials called a charging penalty. They reviewed it. They issued a charging penalty. So... To have a disconnect there where player safety is almost throwing the refs under the bus, and I, I know they're not they're separate organizations, they're separate groups that are doing this, but to say it wasn't charging after the officials reviewed it and said it was charging, uh, to me, that, that made a weird dichotomy between what player safety is looking at and what the on-ice officials are looking at, especially for this situation, which was reviewed by the refs.
0: You think there might be a uh, Zoom meeting follow-up on that one?
1: No, I I felt that bus rolling over the stripes after that <laughs> quote came out.
0: <laughs> More abuse of officials. I gotta I mean, we can't <laughs> get away from it in this case, can we? We're
1: done. good. We're go. You're good, my book. Good stuff, man. Way to work. Yeah, we're good, man. Too long. Let's go
0: sit for a couple.
1: Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at ScoutingTheRefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ScoutingTheRefs. Email the show at heyref at ScoutingTheRefs.com. Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. Okay. That's, uh, nicely done. That's good work!